Okay, good morning. So today we make the transition from the, uh, the conversation of getting wealthy, testing Hashem. Hopefully by now we are all rolling in the dough. And now the question really is, some of the practical guidelines of Miser. So, Baruch Hashem, this past week, we received many questions. We left off last time encouraging questions for, for this conversation. One question was very, uh, very thoughtful. I mean, they were all thoughtful, I'm sure. <clears throat> Let's say I've been giving Miser for a while, and Baruch Hashem, I'm doing well. Do I have to view the money that I have as a pikadon, like we saw from the Chafetz Chaim and others, so it's not really mine, and therefore, does that mean I have restrictions on how to spend my money? Let's say I want to take a vacation. Now, maybe in contrast to years prior, I have the ability, I'll take the family to Eretz Yisrael, I'll do something nice. Or, do I have to have this like fear Hashem gave me all this money because I've been giving tzedakah and therefore he gives me more money to enable me to continue giving tzedakah. Are there any restrictions on how I use that money? Interesting question. So the Ramchal and the Mesil Sishar, and this is uh, the page one, there are two, two chapters where he really addresses this issue. One is in the very beginning in Perak Aleph where he says that every human being is placed in the middle of a raging war where there are nisyonos all around. Ha'oni mitzad echad v'ha'osher mitzad echad. Anius, poverty, is obviously a challenge and the shiris is also a challenge. Right? They're both different forms of nisyonos. We have to deal with everything. Hashalva mitzad echad v'yusurin mitzad echad. Serenity, meaning when things are going well and smooth, and when I'm going through yusurim, I'm suffering. They both present different nisyonos. But ultimately, it concludes the Ramchal, nimtzeinu lemeidim, ki ikr metzius odem olam hazehu rak lekayim mitzvos velavod velamud benisayod. Our goal here for the short time is to be mekayim the mitzvos, to focus on our avoda and to stand through those nisyonos. Vahano'os ha'olam, and the pleasures of this world, ein roi lo bilvad. They should not be the focus, they should not be the goal, they should be utilized as an ezer and a siyua to assist me. lo nachas ruach v'yishuv das, to bring me to a state where I have a feeling of nachas ruach, of serenity, of menuchas nefesh, laman yucha lefanos libo el avoda, in order to focus on my avoda Hashem. So the Ramchal is telling us very clearly, hanos olam hazeh, they are not evil, they are not bad, ashirus is not intrinsically um, any more negative than anius. They both present challenges. The pleasures of this world, or the gashmias, whatever you want to call it, it's something that should be used to create a state of nachas ruach v'yishuv das. Now, obviously, that's very subjective, and that depends on the person, that depends on 
one's wife. That depends on where and when we're living. And that's why later on, when he speaks about precious in Perak Yud Gimel, he says that although precious, which means preventing myself from being totally absorbed and, and obsessed with the pleasures of this world, that could be a, a beneficial thing, that could be healthy. On the other hand, if I take it too far, that could be very detrimental. He says over here, this is towards the, uh, the bottom of that second paragraph. Let's go to the third paragraph. Hillel Haya Omer, Gomel Napsho Ish Chesed, Alechilas Boker, one who eats breakfast. Mamish and Yoni the Yomo, young men who come and eat breakfast. You're doing a Chesed for yourselves. Vahaya Rochets Pono Vyodav Lechavod Kono, and one who washes himself for the honor of his uh, Creator. So th- you're doing a chesed, which means what? You're loving, you're having compassion on yourself. So we can't ignore our needs. And when we, when we live life in a way that we're cognizant of what, what brings us nachas ruach and yishuv hadas, we're actually doing a mitzvah. Here's the guiding principle. Shekol ma mochrach olam hazeh. Roy lo sheyifrosh mehem. Something that I don't need, then ideally, stay away from it. V'chol mashu muchrach lo tam sheyia. But anything that I do need, not just because otherwise I'll die, but me'ezet tam sheyia. Psychologically, emotionally, it's something that I that I really feel will make a difference. So kiven shu muchrach lo, because for you it's necessary. If I would not allow myself to have this pleasure, if I would not allow our family to take this trip, if it's something that we can afford, it's within our means, then by avoiding that would actually be a chait. This is the klal neman, concludes the Ramchal. To go through all the details of what's considered needed, what's, uh, what's too much, that comes down to one being honest with himself and trying to analyze and assess what makes sense for our family. So to answer the question, are we restricted in the money that we get through the haftacha of Hashem? The general answer is no. You have to use your money in the best way that you feel will enhance your avodas Hashem. Obviously, to overindulge in this world is a mistake, but to not allow yourself to to have some of those things that you and your family feel you need would also be a mistake. Now, here's an interesting question getting into the halacha of Meiser. Does it make a difference how I spend my money in general? Does that have any bearings in how I I mechuyiv to spend my Meiser? Do those two things have anything in common? So we mentioned that to spend more than 20% of your revach is generally usr. Why is that the case? Because although you have a noble hargashat to help others, you can't do things that are risky, that are endangering your own financial stability, and you could bring yourself, don't spend more than a chomesh. Are there exceptions to this rule? You better believe it, right? So Reb Chaim Kanievsky, in his Sefer Derech Amuna, 
he has six exceptions to this rule, where basically by the time you're done reading these six exceptions, the answer is you could pretty much do more than 20%. But, but here is the, uh, the basic framework. So some are obvious, pikuach nefesh. Right? If someone's life is in danger, obviously you could spend more than 20%. What's interesting though, take a look here at number at Gimel. Gimel is, we mentioned this, ba'asher muflog, a person who is extremely wealthy, where it's clear giving more than 20% is not going to endanger your financial stability, so then somebody like that is allowed to give more than a chomish. Another exception, take a look at Dalid. Bedover muat kagon sheyeshlo ezim malacha o esek kavua. Shemistake ba kedei mechyoso kol shavua. Viyoser meat lo lefazer hayoser litzadaka. If a person has a stable income, and I know al piderech hateva, I'm getting that check in the mail, I get it twice a month, and given my budget, I definitely have more money to play with, and if I give more than 20%, that would not be endangering our financial stability. So if you have that set income, again, you'd be allowed to give more than 20%. <coughs> this is an, an exclusion to someone who's in business, right? His whole parnasa is basically strategizing and, and taking risks investing money or real estate, whatever it is, and therefore you might make a lot of money this month and you might be in the red the next month, right? So then the heter of giving more than a chomish would not apply. But if someone has a set salary, it's going to continue, and based on that cheshbon, it's not irresponsible, you're allowed to give more than a chomish. Here, though, to me at least, is the most interesting, and this ties into the question we just mentioned, is there any connection between the way I spend money in general and the way I'm or allowed to spend my miser money? Take a look at Os Vav. One who spends his money on Havolim, on all of the the uh, olam hazeh things that are not really needed, fancy clothing, he wears suits worth tens of thousands of dollars, has mansions across the world, but ribui misharsim has all these different people working for him, ubekelim hayosu yekarim, and all the furniture in his house, he has a big, uh, dark, navy blue throne that he brings in. <laughs> So says Reb Chaim Kanievsky, Yitochein de lo shaykh etz lo klal takanazu. It's possible that this whole idea of not spending more than 20% doesn't apply to you. Why? Because then you're a hypocrite. If you're willing to spend your money on anything and everything, and Baruch Hashem, you're doing well. You're not an usher muflag. Usher muflag's a different exception. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a billionaire, but I do have millions of dollars, and the mice I spend it on, on everything. So then, you could spend it on this also. And that's another interesting exception. And that's why it comes to the Shaila of, uh, you know, you have people who run schools. And one of the conversations within tuition committee is always, I heard they went to Maui in the summer, and I heard for Pesach they're going to Morocco. But yet they're saying they can't pay a dollar of tuition? That's hard to believe. So I was speaking with somebody over the summer 
His father is, was a big mechanic for many years in the, uh, the tri-state area. And he was in charge of the tuition of the school. And he kept on having these types of situations where families would be spending all sorts of money on anything except for tuition. So he created this new system that before Pesach, he would actually go to the airport, he would stand there at LaGuardia, knowing full well that many families were on their way to Pesach vacations, and he would just stand there wishing them a good yontif. <laughs> Right? So you could imagine, right, that made the families feel a little bit awkward. Well, they thought he was going Well, But he just said, so many of my Talmidim are going away for Yantav. I want to be there to wish you well. And he said, surprisingly, after Yantav, we got checks in the mail, thousands and thousands of dollars from families that didn't pay much tuition. Somebody brought to his attention, though, that although it's a good, uh, it's a good Eitzah, but maybe you're embarrassing the families. Maybe it's just not appropriate to be doing that. So he brought the Shaila to Rabbi David Feinstein. What did Rabbi David Feinstein say? He didn't say that. He said, they have a good point. Right, it's true. Maybe they're not spending their money or prioritizing in the way they should, but there's no heter to embarrass them. He asked the same question to Rabbi Shmuel Kamenetsky. What answer did he give? Surprise. The exact same answer. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> so even though it worked wonders, you can't be Mavayish people. Right? But we do see from Chaim Kamenetsky that there is a correlation between how we spend in general and how we're allowed to spend when it comes to Meiser. Okay, one other question we'll get to right now is, when I'm calculating my overall income, the language of the postgame we saw was revach, how much you made, take 10% of how much you made. So is that before or after taxes? Very basic question, this is a debate in the postgame. Halacha l'maysa, it's after taxes. We assume any money you're giving to the government that's not included in Revach. So overall, the gross income is $100,000. After taxes, you're bringing home 80. Then 10% is 10% of 80, not 100. Okay, that's Aleph. Second question in this realm was, can we include all of our expenses for basic living? Can we include that in, uh, in the exceptions for Meiser? Let's say, for example... My net income after tax is $80,000. And then the amount of money I end up paying for mortgage or rent, um, clothing, food, food itself would just take you, right? <laughs> that brings me down to a revach of $50,000, right? 20 offered for tax, another 30. What's that? It's a cheap rent or mortgage. It's a cheap rent mortgage. That's true. <laughs> In more, more like, let's say, $15,000 left. <laughs> and if I were to take 10% of that, um, I wouldn't be alive next month. Right? So how do you calculate the basic income of Meiser? So the Chafetz Chaim and the Avaz Chesed, he has two prakam on this, Perek Yud Ches and Perek Yud Tes. We'll go through some of the highlights together. He says, first of all, when it comes to Meiser, this is the top page two, Tov... 
Sheyitna betechilas kabalaso es mitzvah shehu bli neder. One should stipulate in the beginning of his accepting upon himself the mitzvah of Meiser, that I'm doing it bli neder. Because we saw that although there was a machlokis, what level chiyuv is Meiser? Is it a deraisa? Is it a derabanan? Is it a minig? The Chafetz Chaim and Ramosha were of the opinion that it's a minig. It's a very chash of minig with the promise of wealth, but it's a minig. And therefore, if I accept upon myself, even if I don't say anything verbally, but I've been giving 10% of my income for the last many years, that's an Hagatova, and that creates the status of a neder. So even though, even though originally it was only a minig, but if I do this minig and it becomes my norm, then if I choose not to, I'm in violation of a Torah prohibition of breaking my vow. That's only because they're going with the tzad that it's not the mitzvah deraisa, correct? Because if it was a mitzvah deraisa, you don't need, you, there's no Kabbalah of a mitzvah deraisa. A hundred percent. kavar mushba But assuming that it's a minig, so once I accept upon myself the minig, then it becomes a neder, and if I choose not to do it, that might be breaking a neder. So Hatar therefore, Hatar Sadaram could take care of it. But therefore, the Chafetz Chaim says, as do all the contemporary poskim, we should all verbally make the declaration. Let's do it together, right? This could be life changing. Okay, so it depends. Those who've been mamish meticulous in giving Meiser for the last many years, let's speak after the year, and we have some nice dedications for the building <laughs> to talk about, as well as we can do a Taras Nadar if needed. But for those who have not necessarily been mamish meticulous, let's all place our hand on the marmakomos, right? You left on the marmakomos. I, don't be bashful, just let's say it. This is halacha lemaisa. I, fill in your name. I, I knew you would say that. Yaakov Seltzer. I, Noach Light, accept upon myself, bleed netter. That I will try my best to give my sir. It's pretty weak so far. However, I am not accepting it upon myself as an oath. And if at some point I'm not able to or I choose not to, it should not be viewed as a violation of an oath. That again? That was that was a lot, right? Okay. And if someone. <laughs> we'll text it out afterward. Anyway, the Chavetz Chaim says you should always say bli neder before giving meiser, not to be in violation of a neder. Then he says, gam yirishilo pinkus miyuchad. You should have some way of keeping a, a calculation that you could write down kol revach, all of the the revach you're making that Hashem gives to you. Then he says very importantly, acher nikui hotsos mehaesik after. Subtracting the expenses of one's business. So that means as follows. Right? If, I, if I'm putting in $50,000 this year into the business or into marketing or whatever else is, is required or I'm paying my employees altogether $50,000 and I make $100,000, so the revach is, right, the overall revach is fifty. Because I'm subtracting all the money I put into the business. Now that's a, a large conversation also, what's considered money you're putting into the business. And the basic idea, the post can explain, is any penny spent which is enabling you to continue your ASIC, your business, 
is considered money that's put into the business. So not only the cash that I'm directly paying to my employees or the rent that I'm paying for the facility, but let's say I have to go to work and therefore we hire a babysitter. The money you're paying a babysitter in order to go to work is also considered expenditures of the business. Right, so that's all part of the cheshbon that the... Oh, we're, we're, we're going to get to school. We're going to get to tuition. What's that? Well, so it really depends. If it was, let's say EC2, right? It's basically, it's, it's babysitting that costs a lot of money, right? <laughs> so it's, it's not Talmud Torah yet. Question is, if I'm sending the child because we need a place to send them during the day because we're working, so then whatever money you're spending would be considered money that's going into the business. You don't have to own a business, just even if you're just an employee. Yeah, w- whatever I'm doing, in order to work and make a parnasa, I need someone to take care of my child, then that would come off the overall cheshbon. Uh, what about travel and Travel, well, any time you're traveling for work, right? That's all considered hotsosa asik. Okay, there it gets a little bit tricky. You have to eat anyway. Might as well go to a nice place. And anything that's part of, of the, the ASIC is not in the Cheshbon of Meiser. That's so a general food, idea. Food and rent counts for you to be able to work, or we're not talking about that yet? We're not talking about that yet. So far, all the Chafetz Chaim said is Nikui Hotsos Me Eisik. Now I want to jump down to the next line of the Chafetz Chaim that's in bold, which is in the middle of page two. He says, oftentimes you'll have a parnasa where it's not really possible or realistic to write down every penny you're making, and therefore you have to make an overall assessment. Now it's true the Mishnah in Perkyovas tells us when it comes to Meiser, you should not evaluate. You should make a real, a real cheshbin. But again, the Chafetz Chaim says, and this is a wonderful Eitzah, when I'm accepting upon myself, Bli Nader, the mitzvah of Meiser, I should also incorporate that I'm accepting it upon myself in a way that's doable, that's realistic. Lav Davka, calculating every cent I make and then being mafish exactly 10% of that. Part of my Kabbalah is I'm, I'm going to estimate that it should be around 10%. And then he throws in this line, you also evaluate, right? Le'erech is the approximate calculation of the expenses of the household. How much one spends for food and clothing. So if I'm making a general calculation of my maizah for the past year, and when do I make that calculation? Halacha Whatever makes sense to you. If it's going with the, the fiscal year, with your taxes, whatever makes sense, that's how you'll do it. If as I'm making that calculation, says the Chavetz Chaim, I also incorporate the money I spent on clothing and food, the Hotzos Habayis. Is he saying, and this is a very important point, is the Chavetz Chaim paskening that any money I'm spending on mortgage, rent, food, clothing is not part of the overall calculation of Meiser? Is, is that what he's saying? 
It kind of sounds like it if you were to read it superficially. However, right, if you analyze it carefully, he said before, regarding business, what do you subtract? Hotsos meha esik. And that's all he mentioned. And then later on, when he's talking about the person who can't really you know, keep track of every dollar, so then you make a basic calculation of how much you earned, how much you gained. What he means here is, keeping in mind how much you spent on food, clothing, rent, not that it technically takes away from your chiv and miser, but what he's doing here is he's saying, in order to have a valid, clear understanding of how much you actually made, meaning he's talking about a case, you have a chenveni, you have a guy that's selling things from his house, theoretically. So the first step is just, what was the revach? How much actually came in? How much came in? Halach though, it's clear from all the poskim that we do not subtract basic household expenses. So that means as follows, right? Practically speaking, we make $100,000 before taxes. Taxes take away 20, so now we have 80. However, besides the 80 of net income, I also ended up spending 20 on the business itself or anything that enables me to make that parnasa. So now I'm down to 60. Okay. Within that 60, I'm also paying $8,000 a month in rent, right? And many other household expenses. <laughs> right. So, so does that take away, do I say, okay, putting all that aside, my whole revach, my whole gain is only $15,000? The answer is no. The only thing you take off is taxes, and any money that was spent for the business. When it comes to household expenses, that is not taken off of Miser. So that means I'm taking 10% of $60,000. Let me just clarify one thing though. One important caveat is as follows. Even though I don't, I don't take away household expenses, if after everything, after making a basic cheshbin of rent, slash mortgage, food, clothing, I'm ending up with not that much money, and therefore, if I were to give 10%, I wouldn't be paying my, my monthly expenses. So then pshat is, you're putter from Miser. The whole idea of Miser, right, the, 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 the Hanhoga Tova of Miser, is assuming that by you giving 10%, you're not jeopardizing yourself or your family. So officially, we don't deduct household expenses, but practically speaking, if after making the entire cheshbin, I now know that by giving 10% of what I have left, that's going to put me in the red, I can't pay my electricity, so then you're putter for miser. And this is a very common place to be in, especially in the beginning of marriage, when things are, you're trying to build up, and there are many expenses, especially later on in life, and every aspect of life, <laughs> right? Is going into debt and borrowing money the same as not being able to pay your electricity? Going into debt and borrowing money? Borrowing money is it the same thing as not being able to pay your electricity? Because you can't pay your expenses, so you have to borrow money. Do we view that as the same? Or we say uh, no, 100%. If the only way I could survive this month is by borrowing money, that means I'm not high even miser, right? 
What's the what's the standard though, right? So do you tell the guy, well, well, you don't have to live in a house like that. You don't have to drive a car like that. Go do something cheaper. And so that gets money. back to the Masilat Yasharim. Whatever a person needs for Nachas Ruach and Yishuv Hadas, obviously being realistic, right? But that's a very subjective question. To tell somebody, because you can't give Meiser, you don't deserve to live in a five in a five bedroom house. You should be in a three bedroom house. <laughs> you can't say that. Right, whatever people need for Nachas Ruch and Yishav Adas, that's normal living. All right, so that's a very important caveat when it comes to the Chiv of Meiser. Yes? What about future expenses? Like uh, weddings, you know, children of weddings. You know. Oh, so... You do Meiser now, but, you know, you have a bunch of kids and that adds up a lot. Yes, we're going to... You want to address... Just one more point. Yes. Is that... Uh, so this year, my expenses are more than I have to take Meiser, so there's no budget for Meiser. Next year, I won the lottery. So, should I pay for this year also? Oh, great question. <laughs> yes. How about we'll address both? I'm just throwing out the question. No, listen, they're, they're both, both good questions. Very halachalamaisa. <laughs> Regarding a loan's question, you know, what does it mean that once I have enough to pay my monthly expenses, then I, then I do miser. Okay, that's nice that I could pay my, my electricity and my mortgage, but if I'm not putting any money away for the future, and Hashem, there are many expenses, retirement, weddings, all sorts of things, Hashem. So to say that you should not put anything away and, there, and only give miser would be irresponsible. On the other hand, to say that I have to make sure that everything is set up, that 20 years from now, it'll be mamish berevach. That's also not poshet, right? And this is a very kind of tricky middle ground where part of regular hishtadus is I have to try to be putting some money away. How many Americans actually do that? Come on, nobody. <laughs> but, but, but it is viewed as a responsible thing to do. And if I have an expense coming up in the near future, right? I know that my son is in the, in the Parsha or my daughter's in the Parsha. We're going to have to be paying for the Chasana soon. So obviously that's a Cheshben. And we have to be working towards saving money for that eventuality. And therefore that, that would play a role. But to think too far in the future, we find in many poskim, that shouldn't be how you evaluate my son. So it has to be that middle ground, which again gets back to one's Nachas Ruach, Yishuv Hadas. If you're a young family trying to save up to eventually have a down payment on a house. So you can't tell the young couple, as long as you're allowed to pay, or as long as you're able to pay your monthly expenses, then you should be giving Meiser, sacrificing, putting away any money. That would be reckless. I'm telling you what the postgames say. So, so we've established that that you could always come up with things to spend money on, and therefore, a person has to be honest with himself, and there has to be a real, like we saw in Aruch Hashulchan, the goal is to be rodef tzedakah, right? In, in contrast to taxes, where we just try to find loopholes, when it comes to miser, my nagiya should be, I really want to give. There are so many people in need. There are so many mostos that need help. And if I have, I want to give. That should be my nagiya that I'm almost fighting against. And that takes a lot to cultivate. But end of the day, if we paskin like the Chafetz Chaim and Ramosha and the Pana Yeshua and the Bach and others, that it's not a chiv de Raisa, it's a hanhaga tova, 
And therefore we say, Bli neder, we will try to give Meiser to the best of our abilities. If there's a tekufa in one's life where I'm not yet there, so then I'm, I'm officially putter. That doesn't therefore mean I don't give anything. I should still give as much as I can, right? If I have to save for a down payment and therefore I'm being mocked to put away a few hundred dollars more a month, you know, for the next however many years, it doesn't mean therefore I shouldn't give anything to tzedakah. If I can't give 10%, I should still ask the question, maybe I can give 5% right now. And furthermore, whenever an ani comes to you directly, this is really a separate din than Meiser. It's not about 10% of your overall revach, but if somebody comes to you who's in need, then you should give them something, even $18. But you should not turn them away, Ray come. Right, so obviously if a person wants to do that, you know, for five, six years, I've, I've been paying very, very low tuition, the school's been very generous, now Baruch Hashem, I could do more, and in Ritz Hashem in the future, I could even do more, and I could start giving more than tuition, it's a nice thing to do to make a cheshbin, let me try to be mashlim all of those years that the school was, was being so gracious to me. Are you obligated to do that? The answer is no. Right, so that means, and, and you have this question often, you'll have guys going through the, uh, the yeshiva system, right? let's say they have kids in elementary school and the father is not yet established, he's still a yeshiva guy, hocking with the, uh, the administration for as much off tuition as possible. And then, when he's, you know, 40, 45, he's starting to really make it and things are going in a different direction, then the school says, you know what, now you're a, you're a mamish and usher muflog you're allowed to even give more than 20% now. How do you feel about making up for some of those years of tuition? Are you mechuyiv to do so? The answer is no. Is it a nice thing to do? It definitely is a nice thing to do. Does it count towards your miser? Yeah, any, any tzedakah you give to anything I mean, will that, count for miser. It doesn't go towards stuff, a previous like year. Chob. Not like paying a chob. There's no chob officially. If they set this tuition with you, that's all it is. I just wanted to share with you a little anecdote. I, asked, I had a bunch of questions about so I asked with Scheinberg. Just because you're in Boca Raton. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Scheinberg. We've all heard of him. Scheinberg. Okay, so anyway, so I asked him a bunch of questions about my And I, I'm not going to say, I don't remember the question, I don't remember the answer, but I remember he had one guiding principle that he said to me. He said, look, I can give you coolers for everything. I can get you partners from everything. So but you get a bracha for giving my soup. Why are you looking for coolers? So, the, so that, that, is, that is so true, and that's really what we established in the first three shiurim. The mindset is, I'm not looking for loopholes. I want to give, and I do believe in the haftacha of Hashem. If I give miser, I will have yeshivas. Now the question is more, halachically speaking, when do we say you really should be giving, and when is there a heter? Whether or not you want to utilize that heter... You have to make that decision. But the mindset is, I'm a Rodev Tzedakah. So in the net calculation, if you have, like we said before, you have $80,000, then $20,000 in expense, you have $60,000, but by the time you calculate everything in, you're left with a net of $15,000. Is it 10% on that, or should I be giving no. the full, whatever I can get, or should I give the full $6,000? How does that work at that point? So again, right, $100,000 gross, after taxes, eighty, dollars after expenses into the business, it's sixty, dollars right? 
So even though I have many other expenses, household things, mortgage, clothing, food, if I'm able to give Meiser, it would be Meiser of 60. Meiser of 60, or as much as you could towards that. Meaning, as much so as you could I'm towards that. Th- by the time I finish with everything living, I have $1,000 left over. Does you give that full $1,000? Well, it depends where you're holding in life. Do they have no savings, and therefore, you know, it's responsible to, to put away a few hundred dollars. So I'm not going to give maybe the full $1,000, but I'll give... Maybe should, at that point, four, you should always try to give a part. 400, 300, yeah, something like that. Is going to school considered putting money into the business? If one's going to school in order to, be able to get a job or work? So, not push it to say that. Not push it to say that. I want to get involved with some other issues quickly. We, we, one more question on this? Or? Yeah. yeah. If a person works at home, how do they calculate their home expenses? If a person works at home. I'm only in a corner of my house. Right. But I need to pay the mortgage so that I can work at home. So oh. how does that work? Do I only pay a por- Is it only a portion of the... Do I have to measure the square footage and then the air conditioning also? And, <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, I have internet, but I don't have... The internet I have for other things also. Right. So, so it, it's a good question. I think ultimately what the Chafetz Chaim said is the best Eitzah. There are certain things that I can't be medactic on. So you make a hashara. You make a general hashara and go with it. Right. Now, now, we're not going to have time to really get into this question now. Maybe we'll just at least set up the groundwork for next time. And this is one of the most relevant issues that come up with, uh, with families. The highest expense that we have, and that's why we are so grateful for people who are Moser Nefesh, who work uh, together with Step Up for Students and other organizations who are helpful in probably the, probably the number one crisis in the firm world, is how do regular working people pay tuition, right? And it's hard to have a time on the schools because the schools are just trying to get by and they're trying to pay their teachers something close to decent. So when it comes to tuition, what am I allowed to view as my sir? And what is just paying for a service? And we'll see this question has other, other uh, areas where it comes up, paying shul dues. Right? Where's Hanana when you need them, right? <laughs> paying shul dues. What part of that is considered miser? What part of that is paying for a service? So there's a klal gadol. This is a Gemara in Bay and a few other places. The Gemara says, Dovar shebechova hi, v'chol dovar shebechova eno ba ela minachulin. Anything that's obligatory, anything that I have to do, spending money on that chiyuv is not considered miser. So some classic examples would be, once I'm bar mitzvah, I need to wear tefillin. In order to wear tefillin, I have to purchase tefillin. Okay? So tefillin could be expensive. Any dollar I spend on tefillin cannot be considered miser. It's a dover shebechov. So any mitzvah that I have, if I'm paying for that mitzvah, that, not, that cannot be considered miser. Does that include buying your child's tefillin? I mean, it's not your tefillin. I already have tefillin. What about buying tefillin for someone else? Oh, so we'll see. Buying tefillin for somebody else. Let's leave that child for a moment. But buying tefillin for anybody else, that would be tzedakah. That'd be miser. Svarim is another example. And we're going to get into all these cases, but... In the olden days, for sure, having svarim, it was a very special thing. Most people didn't have a, a whole shas. So if you were to purchase svarim, even though part of your intent is for your own learning, but you write in the sefer, this is mimos meiser, and it's for everybody. Right? The exact opposite of what we do in yeshiva. 
Also, believe Rishul Sarak bin Makomo, if your first name rhymes with, right? But you're right in the cover of the Sefer. It's for everybody. Please use it. That's also considered Miser. I'm doing something for others, something for the Tzibor. But any personal obligation I have, even if that obligation is in the realm of tzedakah, that cannot be considered Miser. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, money that you give out from Matanos Levyonim. So let's assume that the, uh, the basic amount required for Matanas Levyonim is $20, without getting into the Halacha Sipporim. $20. So if I give $20 to be distributed to a Niyim, of course that's a mitzvah of tzedakah, but because I have an obligation to do that, that's one of the mitzvah Sipporim, that cannot count as miser. If I give more than $20, anything more than that can be considered miser. Same thing is true with Moaz Chitin. We give money before Pesach. There you have a discussion whether or not that, be, that could be considered miser. So what we're going to address here is <clears throat> giving miser for mitzvos that are not obligatory. Right? Okay, so we'll get to that as well. But at first I want to focus on something that's actually a mitzvah. Right? Meaning, how about the following case? I get an aliyah. And I make, a, I make a donation. I make a mishaberach. So, I'm doing it towards a mitzvah, towards the mitzvah of the aliyah, but there's no chiv to get an aliyah. Can that count as miser? I want to donate something to the yeshiva. Right? So I have no, no chiv to donate something. If I do that, can that be considered miser? Or is miser more limited to taking care of a niyim? Right, helping people in need, or helping Talmud Torah. The two classic cases we'll find in the postgame of Meiser, the highest level Meiser seems to be for those who are in Neem and for supporting and, and, uh, and being mechazek Talmud Torah. If I'm giving Meiser to something else, is that a lower level Meiser? Does it come with the Haftacha of Ashirus, like the, like the higher level Meiser? So we're going to leave us in suspense so for now. That's the whole sugya. Is tuition a davar shabachova? We'll have to continue next time. <laughs>